All right. Oh, wow. Cool. Sick. We have claps. Um, we are now synchronized. Uh, I, I don't know why I went from that was a far more robotic like bit that you it's, had. There. Yeah, I was I was doing more like a <laughs> PS3 enemy, and then you did like a PlayStation One enemy there. Yeah, exactly. Um, bad VO of a character that only has like one jaw animation. It's really really <laughs> terrible. I Alexis shall knock you all down. <laughs> uh, I love Kingdom Hearts One. You're not getting past me. <laughs> No, that's far too good voice acting. Come what? On. You got past me! Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. And then you just like game maker explosion. Oh my. And welcome to this latest episode of Hot Singles. I am joined as ever by Boo Cannon. Hi! Oh, how I missed it. And we have some special guests for this Ooh. episode. Could the special guests introduce themselves? Yes. I am O-D-A-E O-Day, <laughs> otherwise known as Rory. I think I should have said that backwards, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Oh, okay. I'll do it. The, I'll do it the front ways. Oh, so I'm Maxi. You can also. I'm also known as Sea Cat or Sick. You can say it whatever way, really. Some people say Say Cat or She Cat or whatever. It's fine. But a lot of people say Sea Cat. Say Cat. That's it. That's a new one for me. We make a weird electronic music together, uh, and <gasps> apart. Um, and we have a release that we released recently, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. You're going right into the promo. Um, but that's not what we're talking. We're, no ta- we're not talking about that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. It's a no slow shame. burn, Never slow burn. Shame. Let it simmer. Let it simmer. <laughs> They've heard about it. Give it fifty minutes. We'll be back to it. It's gonna be yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not even gonna listen to all uh, the shit we're saying. They're gonna be like, "What's that? What's that mystery album? Whoa! I gotta, what? I gotta it's tune incredible. in." There's a, there's a, there's a fucking animal. There's another animal. It's incredible. Um. So we've got three records to talk about. Um, which are Eagle by Corliss. No, wait, yeah, hang on. That's it. You got it. Go. You yeah, got right. it. I, did, I almost got it the wrong way around. You no, got it. No, we're good. Um, World of Echo by Arthur Russell. And the the, the fascinating, elubriant, <laughs> extraordinary, <laughs> elubriant, flirtatious, flirtatious, um, flirtatious. I don't know. I'm I'm saying adjectives here. Uh, Laugh jokes by Seeker and O'Day. Yeah. Um, we will get to that at the end, though. First up, hey, Boo. Yeah. Do you want to tell <laughs> us about Corliss's Ego? No. All right, podcast over. <laughs> thank, thank you for listening no. to this week's singles. Next, uh, <laughs>
I mean, honestly, it's there's not much to tell here that uh, you can't already dig up for yourself. Uh, Corliss is the electronic project of uh, UK fellow Lewis Roberts. Um, he's been pretty active in like that uh, sort of like lucky me, Jacques Green uh, circle for the past like 10 or 12 years or so sorry uh, you say pretty active he's released like three things and then took a seven year hiatus uh, but but <laughs> it's he has done ba- lots of uh back room production for acts like yeah, david yeah, burn yeah. fk twigs um of particular note is one of my favorite songs ever uh mti that he put out when he was fucking 20 years old that shit is bonkers yeah um really uh really square wavy uh like it's like it's it's literally like bloopy. That's it's I know that's like a words failing you kind of descriptor, but that is like legit how I would describe Corliss. Like square wave MIDI, um crazy saw fuzz stuff, and then lots of chopped up vocals. It's awesome. Um Hell yeah. Uh and yeah, after you it's he released uh an EP. I fucking forget the name of it. Um because I'm bad. But uh, his debut album, Agore, uh, released a couple years back, and I really like it. Uh, <laughs> um, I guess now is where I ask you guys what you thought of Agore real quick. 
Um, I'll let the guests go first because I'm really intrigued what you think of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, this was like OMG more cake R plus seven for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's exactly my shit as far as like I've imprinted on R plus seven so much, and this has that very same like nostalgic like vocal samples, uh, very MIDI sounding MIDI going on. Mm -hmm. um and i really fucked with the sentimentality and the uh and how just pristine it is i was i was pretty blown away at tbh yeah i was really Hell moved yeah. by it some of the some of the timbres and it reminded me of when i would like extract sound font packs from like my favorite game boy advance games yeah and, like, drag them into fruity loops and like play a drone for 10 minutes and be like yeah this is the coolest shit ever <laughs> I feel oh. really guilty now because I don't like it that much and what? I'm sad that I oh have to disagree God. with everyone. Jail, um, jail for so Alexis 100 years. You gave me the easy in though, which is that it is a really R plus 70 record. And one of the interesting points of comparison though is R plus 7 is a record that like, because it's so midified, it makes a very strong point of like taking all of its instruments out of their proper register. Like, mm -hmm. it, it forces stuff out of the ranges that they expect to exist. It forces them out of the dynamics and paces and, ry and rhythms that they're expected to exist in. They go the wrong places. And I was like, when I think about what Callous tracks have done for me in the past, it's like this like warm enveloping, you know, like wall of square waves and like Dichin and fuzzy, like enveloping electronic noise. That's okay. Sometimes has beats in it, but like what you're here for is like the big warm hug of synth, and like the the thing it's turned into is like so perfectly arranged. It ne it both like never really fully wants to give you the big hug, and also like never wants to take things out of the range they're meant to be in. Like all the voices are like right up front, and they're like never taken out of that space. And all the like bass parts are like perfectly situated at exactly the right level and like stay constant in perfect fits at the bottom of the arrangement. And like I was begging for things to like move forwards and backwards. Yeah, it's very it's very pristine um, and very um, idealistic. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It figured out how it wants to be organized and stayed in that organization pretty much the whole runtime. Yeah. yeah. Yes, uh, I was going to say it's I think uh, I agree with you, but I think that makes it I think that's what makes it an interesting framing in the context of Corliss's uh, past work, um, especially compared to um, like other, um, you know, uh, formally conventional, but like slightly weirder palette records, because a lot of these songs are upwards of like maybe like eight years old um uh, yeah it's uh shell shock in particular is just like this totally like stripped away um edit of away like the That uh, that like Whoa. vocal Holy strip shit. is just from an old Corliss song. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. It's I I think to that end, I think the decision to include old material and like frame it in this singular like 
almost like cinematic context. Uh, like mm. it's, it feels like a gore could have been like maybe like a four track EP as opposed to a 10 track album because all the uh, longer songs are like ensconced in like opening movements and then codas like that three track stretch of yonder black rainbow and primes that could have all just been like one song maybe. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think the, uh, the idea of splitting it up creates an interesting contextualization around uh, previous work and uh, to say nothing about the fact that uh, these are like, you know, the finished uh, ascendant deconstructed edits of all these old songs as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I never, I never got any of the history there. Sorry, yeah, I, wish, I wish I'd um, known more about Quills before I jumped in because now I feel like, Oh darn, there was like a whole extra dimension <laughs> that I could have explored here. Yeah. God, it's so strange because like Quills was absolutely when I was first getting to the, like, I'll use the word again, post dubstep, you know, it's like fucking pictures and triangle and like Hessel and Hemlock and all of these labels. And like, he comes along, I think the Yugen EP is the one that I like really, really stuck onto. And mm. Sun is exactly one of those tracks that fits like halfway between like Caribou, the like really pretty played versions of dance music. Like it feels very close to Caribou's harmonic and like potential sensibilities and the like Jacques Green on the other side they're like very much producing beats music dance music just with the very like big emotional sensibility like i love sun i love sun so much and i love sun often when i go back to it because it's like very disciplined about staying away from what feels like a structure that feels very stable ah it's it's so weird to think about it, uh a in in this way like I really love a track like White Picket Fences and it has, it's so uncanny because like I am after this kind of like um, transgated or like aggressively chopped like synthetic texture. This is something that I have like craved and been working towards for like years at this point. I was going to say, you've sent me so many snippets that um, sound like some of the demos that Corliss has put out over the past couple of years. Uh, so yeah, it's like, it, it, it was... I, I expected you to like really fully ingratiate yourself to this, but I think it might be like a small differences thing as well. Yeah, it's, it very much is. Cause like I, I hear white picket fences, uh, white picket fence even. And like, Oh God, I love that sound. I love that texture. And then how is it arranged? Then it's arranged in the context of like, here is my musical element and it is placed on top of my pad and just behind my lead vocal and just on top of a like completely like static bed of, of atmosphere. Like, there is such a such a neatness to its arrangement that it's almost like, oh, no, 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 no. I want the vitality of just, like, slamming me in the face with a thing that goes from, like, clipping to zero every, every like, half a second. Like, please give me the activity. Like, there is a version of this that's full of the activity that, like, is either slamming you in the old stuff or that I, like, you know, who else makes stuff in this vein? Like, Lorenzo Senni or someone like that that, like, really does commit to, like, going not to 100 every single time yeah it really is a minutiae it's like a narcissism small differences but like it was very weird hearing all these like textures that i should be in love with and being like i don't like the way you've decided to use them (laughs) i would not design it that way there were certainly moments like that for me um i feel like honestly a lot of sort of the sentimental emotional peaks of the record 
seems to fall a little bit flat for me. Like it like um, either went there too soon or it wasn't as adventurous as I wanted it to be. Um, it kind of claws at you. I could see that. Yeah. Like it's asking you to be really like emotionally involved in what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, there were like, um, there was one song, I forget what it was called, but it has sort of like a Todd Edwards-y pogo style vocal chopping. Mm. Um, uh, Joy Squad. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I found the, I found the syncopations there to be not, um, it didn't grab me for some reason. It was interesting. The problem is, I feel like I heard a version of this track in 2013, which is you probably, probably, true. I probably have. did. <laughs> um, but yeah, like this is so indebted to such a school. Um, it feels like there is a there's a way of learning this rhythm that I can't then take it out of the context of like an entire scene genre doing these kinds of combo like two step rhythms, vocal chops, like slightly glitchy more than anything, just like rough simple synth synth textures and Mm. being asked to treat it as if like oh this is deconstruction oh this is groundbreaking oh this is like twisting in some way like no i i think i heard whether it was i don't know um james blake or pangea do a version of this Mm. then and like it's not that it needs to be novel it's that it's asking me to treat it as something that like is the emotional hook for an entire like you know, four and a half minute adventure. There aren't many four and a half minute tracks in this record. There are four, right? Mm-hmm. Like if if it's the thing that is meant to carry me through the emotional progressions, like it better be pretty special. And I think like, honestly, like white picket fences could have got there. I was just like annoyed by it. Strangers, I think fucking works. Shellshock, I think works. I um, freaking love Shellshock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Shellshock um, is awesome. The, the, the end run of the album might be my favorite bit because it's the bit that like, leans into the bits where it starts breaking the form just slightly like shellshock does go back to like we have a perfect fifth in the baseline that is just going to stay there the whole time mm-hmm. but it takes a long enough to get there that it's okay no i've i've wanted the stability and i've found it and the progression yeah. makes a whole lot more sense and like gives me the the story that justifies like okay that's the one of the five minute tracks and it needs to be and it makes sense that it is mm-hmm. like and there's such a wonderful really satisfying. There's such a wonderful groove shift that happens in Shellshock that yeah. you hardly even notice. It's just like the pulse just changes. It's so, it's such a... Very naturalistic. Huh? Yeah. Oh. Uh, and, I uh, did want to say, uh, yeah. if you guys wanted a... Uh, it's Alexis, if you wanted uh, like an even more pushed version of Shellshock, uh, it's, there's a uh, like bonus disc of Corliss, uh, oh. like stuff, uh, the like Agor offcuts is what it's called. Uh, Away VIP is just like stuffing shell shock in a granular, basically. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. It's like hell seven yeah. minutes. It's, uh, I wish that was the version of it on this record because I feel like I, I agree that, like, it's, I think it, this record's too satisfied with sort of staying in its, in the, world that's constructed for itself and that edit like snaps it uh like a ruler over its knee it's really fucking crazy mm. the 
freaking yeah sorry i am just humming on to shell short now it's pretty <laughs> <good>. <laughs> the freaking production on this record though is insane it's very snappy yeah mm. tell me tell me what production bits and pieces you were like getting on with because there is so much detail to to like obsess about but i'm really interested mm-hmm. what what caught your your ears well immediately like this is what i obsess with in in my work but just how many different kinds and variations of short room reverb there are throughout yes um, there's little plucky moments and, and one-shot samples and stuff, and they all reflect in the space in a really wonderful kind of way. I, I got a new pair of headphones, and I was testing my headphones out with this, and it was freaking amazing. And the different kinds of reverbs and the different ways that they trail out makes every little moment of silence uniquely different and you, and interesting. Mm. Um yeah. And also, you know, as far as dynamic range goes, I feel like I never felt like I needed to touch the volume button a single time or the yeah. volume knob a single time. Um, and there were moments <laughs> that did hurt, but they were so few and far in between that they felt, you know, like they were hurting in a good emotional kind of way and it would go away. Yeah. I realized what I was doing instead is every time I replayed the album or like got a little further through and knew where I was, I was like cranking up higher and higher. Like, no, please grab me. Please do something. Please don't <laughs> leap out the speakers and hit me over the head. But like, mm-hmm. you know, you're entirely right. Like the, the balance and dynamics are like just like impeccably put together. That's a, <sighs> uh, that's the biggest part thing for me. Um, yeah, that's my main observation. Short room reverbs abound. Yeah, um, uh, I liked all the clicks. I liked the clickiness of this. Like, basically every note that gets played uh, comes with a little like, uh, before it. Like, it's the attack on it is just like a flat wall. It's awesome. Um, especially with like vocal samples, they will really just like click around. I don't, I don't yeah. know the word for it, but it's it's a uh, the clickiness of it was very satisfying. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, the way the crick. The way the clicks trail off oh. feels really intentional and feels really in the space in a really gripping way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, I, I don't know who mentioned it. I heard the word naturalistic like get thrown around. Like this is a, an album that like feels very deliberate in how it crafts like a very natural, very like coherent space to it. Right. Like a like a I hear. Mm-hmm. I hear a very like very put together world that it's trying to situate like you in and keep huh? you within the whole time. Yeah, I mean it's mixed kind of like a like a Kincaid painting almost. It's like <laughs> it's like everything is perfect. Yeah, yeah, good. Honestly, yeah. It's like you've taken out your microscope and zoomed in on some moss or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> the moss has texture. Um, the the waterfall. It's got you can see the little droplets of water. Bouncing around. It's making a little uh, condensation on the top of the bowl. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh. Oh, beautiful. Uh have I either of you oh sorry, have any of you heard of uh like this is it's a really stupid uh like bullshit art project uh by uh uh graphics artist Jeff Bennett. Where it's he was just uh like uh putting X wings and AT T troopers into Kincaid paintings. Uh, no, it's called Wars on Kincaid. Uh, it's and that is that oh, is this is good. Totally the headspace <laughs> of this album. 
Uh, like, holy hell. Uh, I, need yeah. to, I need to look um, this up on my phone. Check it up now. Yeah, Ooh, like, I, I, just, I would make too much noise bending over. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. <laughs> this shit yeah, is, no, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say the at t one. <laughs> yeah. It's... Oh, this is perfect. That is... I think my family. I think my my parents have that exact. This looks like the exact <laughs> one with the bridge and the ATATs. They don't have with the, awesome. with the Star Wars on it, but I think they have that exact painting. That, it's, you gotta you gotta swap it out. You gotta print this one out. <laughs> yeah, you should get that. In there. So spend shit. like six dollars on like a blown up like canvas print of it with like the fake paint dabs, and then <laughs> it's got that it fun in. like AI art generation like kitsch to it very enjoyable that's amazing (laughs) that's a great way of saying this is kind of like a bankrupt idea (laughs) (laughs) i i imagine that if there were a shit ton of you know star wars vehicles flying around that i'd have my lights off like epic skyline vista epic view epic uh trending on art station (laughs) just lord epic like comet out like seven times uh (laughs) star wars awesome painting Beautiful, sublime, beautiful. <laughs> Return with a V. Colors, uh, shapes. In oh, many aspects, pleasure, joy. In many Remember's- aspects, Agor is like the album that I uh, that I wish I would make. As far as like polish and commitment, I do um, appreciate the polish a lot. It's mm-hmm. yeah. It's really, it's really lovely. I like the polish and I like how it handles its crunch. I mean, it's kind of cliche of me to zero in on like crunchy and crushy things, but <gasps> I really like how it handles the crunch. Shocking. Crunch. How could we, how could we ever predict this? No, I, I, I think you're right. This. Like, it's such a beautiful record and I wanted to love it more because it was like so obviously like aiming squarely for my wheelhouse. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like, it's just the arrangement, like More the arrangement squarely. is too normal. Like it, it, it. It made me think of why I love OPN, which is that OPN, like, I'm going to say this in a bunch of different ways, but OPN eats itself. Like, it, it, mm. it's, its arrangement goes, you know, drags its surfaces and puts them on the inside, drags its trouble elements and turns them into, you know, the ex- explosive creases that, you know, sit at 50 hertz. Like, the, mm. the, the, the ability to stretch itself inside out is, like, what I was hearing in all the OPN that I was thinking about when I was listening to this which is fun, but also a, not a reason to love this record quite as much as I love the OPN stuff. Mm-hmm. I think, I think uh, what I'm getting from you and what I, what I kind of feel is I felt like I was a target audience when I was listening to it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, like you were being no, marketed to. I, yeah, it felt, we, it felt designed specifically for me. Yeah. God. <laughs> In like, a way that made me raise an eyebrow occasionally. <laughs> Felt like it was like a targeted ad in the form of an album. <laughs> yeah, good. But the, yeah. When the AI, uh, when really the AI kind of start, way, yeah, when the AI, uh, AI is good enough to start targeting like producer tick, um, electronic music tick, um, sci-fi the hands tick. Properly. Yeah, um, like s- the demographic details get narrower and narrower until they just like serve us this over and over again, and it's perfect, but it's also a bit too perfect. Hmm. Shoot, I had a thought. I forgot what I was going to say. the kind of thing I could eat like chips, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's so weird to have an album that's this detailed to be a chips album. And like, it's a bit of the the Hey Boo, you brought on Flume a little, like quite a few months ago now. But like, I remember when you brought on the Flume album, I was like, oh, I'm annoyed that I wish it was 
it had the detail and it had the like dynamics and it had the like the focus in its musical ideas and this has all of that nice. it's just yeah no it still feels similarly chipsy to the the flame record for me yeah, well, they're spicy chips they're flaming well, hot at least yeah one thing oh, about Buchanan is she gonna bring palatable club music to hot singles <laughs> Yeah, whereas I brought the the like maybe intolerable record that the the artist decided needed the a sticker to go on all the LPs saying indecipherable. That's that's not a joke. That's a literal thing he did. We'll get to it. Uh, we gotta get a uh, Tennyson up here next. Yeah. Oh, oh my! I have actually been trying to find out a way to put uh, to bring rot up, but it's the thing about it's if uh, if Tennyson is listening to this, um, uh, it's you guys needed to pitch every song on rot up one semitone uh because <laughs> no, speed it up one semitone yes that, speed it like 6.3 percent all the way across every uh like speed and pitch just do it in audacity i don't care what masters you have uh it's <laughs> it would make the album th- a bit shorter as well because ha- it's it's <laughs> Um, half the songs get transponded up to like that, uh, that E minor scale that I love that is, I love so much. I think E minor is like the most beautiful chord ever. And all of it like gets into that, like scale range. Um, but seriously, go listen to rot. It's a good, it's a, it's a good record. I don't think we'll bring it on hot singles, but it's good. <laughs> yeah. get the same treatment. <laughs> um, but I mean, Hey, it, it, it needs to be 6.3% brighter and faster is like, not a bad thing to say about a lot of the like palatable but extremely good super detailed interesting dance music that we we all listen to like yeah. you just do a fan sometimes it needs the aggression day. needs the bite yeah, yeah. At the end of the it's day. like like the uh injustice for all uh like edits where they put <laughs> jason's bass back in but it's just like us like speeding up shit yeah <laughs> yeah how many times have i sent you a demo and you were just like yeah it needs to be 20 bpm faster and you're right like, <laughs> that's true i do do that a lot um not yeah, to it, it's, not it's to, correct it's i just love, i love it's i load it into virtual dj and i just uh like scroll wheel the speed knob up and down i'm like there that's it we got it that's the one it's uh, it's, 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 it's low-key very disrespectful no no no, no. like that they're, they're, they're there to be mangled with yeah. <laughs> uh did we want to do cover watch real quick yeah do it hit uh, it uh so Coverwatch. uh for those of you new to the program uh cover watch is this thing that i do where i try to justify my 3.9 gpa in graphic design by Ooh. uh yeah it's pretty cool uh it's i'm completely unhirable in vancouver it's awesome um because i went to a buns of school Fuck capitalism it's facts honestly low key high key middle key all keys um, Sorry, that clip. Where it's, I try to justify uh, the several thousand dollars I spent on my graphic design degree um, by trying to uh, introduce discussion about cover art to uh, records that we bring on because I don't think it gets talked about enough, uh, just in general. Uh, at least in like a academic or like, what do they mean by this sense? Uh, so for Agore, I think. I don't think I would have brought this record on if it did not have the visual direction that it did. Um, not to say that these aren't good songs, but I think there's a lot to chew on uh, in regards to the this sort of weird, like alternate universe dream catcher stuff by uh, graphic designer, uh, 3D artist, photographer Daniel Swan, uh, who's done like early stuff for PC music. Uh, did that fucking Blade record, Red Light. 
Uh, yeah, uh, did some stuff for Evian Christ. Basically, has been around. Um, if uh, oh, if yeah. it's uh, basically if you ask your boyfriend what's their favorite graphic designer and he's too nervous to say David Rudnick, he'll say Daniel Swan. Hmm. Um, <laughs> too nervous to say David Rudnick. <laughs> it's a there it's a fraud to that. Um, <laughs> so it's like. It's so many of these single. This is all 3D artwork, by the way. This is not real life photography. Um, mm, interesting. And it's like these remarkable, like Welsh alternate universe Highlander, uh, like Dreamcatcher stuff um, that I think uh, indicates that there is a it's it's trying to uh like lend a further structure like an organized alternate universe to the material here that i think really comes together cohesively in visuals and helps uh bring context to i think the world that corliss wants these songs to exist in uh with like the music videos and stuff like uh fuck what's the name of the song holy shit um uh, like Joy Squad is is a vertical video of like a weird mushroom mirror thing dancing. Uh, fucking huh. Black Rainbow is uh, based off like an old. Uh, is it like a Gaelic tradition or something or like a Welsh tradition of like rolling and running down a hill, basically? So it's it's a lot of uh, people running and falling down in slow motion. It's awesome. Um, and I think to uh, speak to the name of the record itself, Agore, uh, Welsh for like to open to open a package or like an object or thing specifically um, that there is uh, like plant life uh, reaching through and breaking out of like this, like this mesh uh, like material on the front. The, the front of this photo looks like something you'd see on somebody's Instagram. It, sound, uh, it feels like it looks like an LCD display almost. Yeah, it's it like, a, me of it's, like a trampoline it's, texture. Yeah, it's it's like a it's got like a more pattern on it, despite the fact that it's just mesh. It's really cool. Um, I really I I adore Agor's art direction. Um, and uh, like there's even like further material in this world. Uh, continues with like the weird sigil dream catcher theme uh droids a song that corliss did with uh fuck i'm forgetting the name but it, like it it implies that they're like this is crazy because it implies that there's like a terminator robot in the agor world or whatever oh <laughs> it's like, pointing right fucking, at you my goodness. it's pointing right at you like there's a there's like it's it, there's like corliss robot death squads walking around this album it. it's really cool <laughs> I feel like I'm in the sequel to Riven or something right now. Uh, yeah, I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Riven Death Stranding. Yeah. This record is very Death Stranding. Interesting. Um, is this a Strand type album? Oh, God. This, I think this is a Strand type album. That's a great way to pitch it. Do you think Die Hardman would listen to this? Would Die Hardman listen to this? Die Hardman would absolutely listen to this. Yes, 100%. He would listen to it and then he'd die. <laughs> and then he'd go back and listen to it again. Yeah. Or he'd listen he'd to like, 20 minutes of it and then he'd go back and listen to the other 20 minutes. <laughs> it's, it's, 
Uh, Cliff, uh, like, recommended, hey, uh, there is a very cool album. And then uh, uh, it's Die Hard Man listens to it and then he dies. <laughs> it's recommending anything to Die Hard Man's got to be uh, fucking total crapshoot. Because it's like, it, he's like, oh, what I miss? And it's like, well, okay, Vader just revealed that he's Luke's father. So it's like, oh, oh, oh shit. Oh. And then he dies again. Uh, this, uh, Sorry, I've this, never played this, episode of Hot- this is very confusing. There's a guy named Die Hardman and he dies. He dies. I figured oh, that God. out. How often does he die? Does he die on break? Every Literally minutes. all the time. Cool. It's on a clock. Oh. Oh. And uh, it's uh, he's, he's portrayed by Tommy Earl Jenkins and he looks like this. Uh, this is uh, this is a design that like high school Wait, no, movies not, would make. Uh, okay, I was referring to the I was to Nicholas Winding Refn's character. I'm sorry. Oh, oh fuck yeah! Who's Nicholas Winding Refn's character? Oh, Dead Man. No, Dead, dead Man. Man's uh, Dead Man's no Dead Man's Del Toro. Oh my god, dude, this is so. Oh, it's, it's not Dead Man. It's not Die Hard Come on, Man. man. It's, it's not Die Hard Man. It's Dead Man. Man. It's Heart It's Heart Man. Okay. Death Stranding is a very serious video game for serious people. <laughs> Die Hard Man, Heart Man, very different. <sighs> I think Heart Man would listen to Agor. He's, he's got I'm the saying. thin white frame glasses. Of course, he fucking yes. Knows. Uh, it's, I'm just gonna paste this picture of Nicholas Winding Refn in the Decima yeah. engine ten times real quick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. This is what the Bandcamp supporters page for Agor looks like. <laughs> Uh, no, it's. <laughs> that, yeah. might, that might be the best joke we've ever made. Um, no, it's. I really like Agor a lot. It's a good record. Um, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I just really like cool this record. record. I thought its presentation, uh, both in terms of like refining the work and the visual direction, was really interesting. And that is why I brought it. I like chips. Sometimes for lunch it's just chips, and I'm okay with Sometimes that. Sometimes lunch is chips. Sometimes we had, I think we literally just had chips for lunch. I am chips happy I lunch. listened to it, and I will return. Mm. Hell yeah, that's awesome. I think I'm going to return to it, not in the like, so I know what not to do, but like, <laughs> there are ideas on how to balance and push the ideas that I really care about here. There are things and, like, to I take won't away use from it for sure. But yeah, there are, there's stuff to learn from this. I'm, I, I'm very glad you brought it. I personally wonder if Corliss um, is incredibly annoyed at R plus seven comparisons. <laughs> oh man, probably. Probably, yeah, yeah. God Surely. damn it! Everybody says R plus seven. God fucking damn it! I'm so fucking. It's shit. Like eighty of my songs, the K F K Twigs leaked like two weeks ago. Fuck! I gotta, I gotta figure my shit out, bro. And then he just like walks away. I don't know. I. I I worry a little bit with the R plus seven comparison that I'm just like saying that it gives me boss baby vibes, but it feels very specific to me. <laughs> no, 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 no. Genuinely, like there is, is there are M two R's. There are sorry, Cool Game One R's on this record that like are straight off the same sound palette as yeah. R plus seven. Like no, this is this is very much held in common. Yeah. All right. <sighs> is it is it time to move on? I think I it think is so. time. All right, all right, all right, all right. So next up we have World of Echo by Arthur Russell. (laughs) 
So when I suggested this album, I think it was you, O'Day, said, like, I've been meaning to listen to that. And I'm, like, mm-hmm. curious, like, what if you came in with, like, either preconceptions or if this album had a reputation or something? Um, I had listened to a bit of it, like, 30 seconds of it at one point in the past. So I knew kind of what the sound palette was. Mm. Um, uh, this might be definitely a, an O'Day thought, but um, when I... I came into it with the expectation that I would understand why um, the Twitter account is named World of Echo. Oh, that guy mm. on... Uh, <laughs> Z Emerson. Z Emerson, right. Yep. <laughs> Doom Trip, Mastering Engineer. Yep. Oh, yes. The Ledge. Um, <sighs> I Can I say it's my experience with this record? Uh, it's... Uh, this is... This is maybe the most embarrassing thing I will ever admit uh, on a podcast. 
no. Uh, it's so it's I was listening to this and it's I was having a great time and then we got to answers me track three and I was like hey, uh-huh. I was like that's the thirty hours sample from Life of it Pablo. Is, it is the thirty hours, and it's it like it's it has. It's I have like uh, I have like really uh, like uh, like labored notes for the first two tracks and then it's answers me just has five question marks and I didn't write anything else. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. This this completely tilted my equilibrium. You got nuked by Kanye. I did. It happens. Uh, it I haven't listened happen. to Life of Pablo in forever. I actually completely forgot that that was sampled. I actually have never listened to it, to be honest. 30 Hours is like one of my favorite tracks on that record. Like it's one of the very, very best bits. It, of it's one of the ones where uh, it's like Kanye is very, very close to admitting that he is a problem and needs help, uh, which is the most interesting parts of Pablo to me. Yeah. Um, no, everything else is like a that. nightmare. But still, just it's totally just like... It like fucking like flipped me like a pancake. I like it's I I don't even know how to discuss this record in a isolated context after that. Okay, we'll we'll have to deal with the Kanye-ness of it all shortly. Then uh, m- yes. maybe we need to do for Max's benefit. We need a 30, 30 hours listen along quickly, but we'll do that in a bit. Um, but yeah, um, Maxie, did you have any prayers with Arthur Russell at all? I had pretty much the same background as Eddie, where it was like, it was a thing I had been meaning to check out forever, and it's extra embarrassing for me because I literally have an Arthur Russell shirt in my closet. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> when, like, Hell Ghostly yeah. did, like, some random drop of, like, an Arthur Russell shirt, I was like, oh, that's so cool. And I was like, I'm sure I'd like Arthur Russell. He does cello, and I, for background, I played cello for a very long time. I've played it for more than 13 years at this point. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll get the Arthur Russell shirt, despite not having heard Arthur Russell, and... Ever since then, I've, it's always been in the back of mind of like, you should probably like figure out since if you okay. enjoy this artist or not. <laughs> Being that you have his shirt in your closet, just kicking around. I wear it a lot and I'm like, oh yeah, this is my cool shirt. This is my cool music shirt that I have. God. So yeah, I'm that person who like can't name the song on the band t-shirt. Yeah. But for Arthur Russell. Which I mean, is a very I mean, funny a thing for, to think about, like some like it's defense of Arthur Russell Nevada, fan being yeah. like, "Can you name five say, Arthur like, Russell songs?" It's some some thirty six year old sitting <laughs> like, hey. in a chair at a show coming up to you would be like, "Hey, what? <laughs> you fucking it's, like Arthur he, Russell? Name three Arthur Russell songs." Uh, California, here I come. It's, uh, he it's he has long straight gray hair and he walks right up to you. Possibly a ponytail, maybe like a half ponytail, half of it's hanging yeah. loose. It's a, every sentence is bookended with how many times he's seen this act. <laughs> wait, wait, boo! I am now just thinking, who was the film director that you maybe put Liverance underneath, having a rant on the streets in New York? Oh, it wasn't uh, a film director. It was that uh, you have like, no talent. The silence. Oh god! Oh, yeah. <laughs> artist respects silence is the foundation <laughs> of creativity. I walked Bob Creed. Dylan up on stage. You're nothing. Oh, You're yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fucking love that guy. Unironically, that's a, it's because it, he's legit. Like it's. I remember people were like, "Oh, dude, what the hell is this guy talking about?" And then they looked it up, and it's like he really did like walk the Bob Dylan on stage. Like he's been in New York for like eight hundred thousand years. I am like fairly on his side in that argument, to be honest. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's just correct. Um, should I talk about what the album is? <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, Arthur Russell, um, incredible career, cut short, desperately young because of the AIDS epidemic. Um, hey there, listeners. It's Alexis here in the editing suite. 
I'm here to apologise to the residents of Oskaloosa, Iowa for forgetting that Oskaloosa, Iowa is Arthur Russell's birth town. Now back to the show. Move from Oskaloosa, Iowa, first to the Bay Area and then to New York, like adding bits of starting out very much as a classical cellist and adding bits of like avant-garde practice and then slowly electronic music and disco in particular into his repertoire. If you didn't know, some of the like most iconic early bits of disco were actually Arthur Russell productions. Um, not This isn't to say like the whole genre of rest on his back or anything like that, but like some of the most famous and like scene defining moments. Like I will just send you the, the chat because like it's too important not to. Go bang, number five. Um, which is an incredible track. Um, best known for its Francois K, the Francois Kabukian remix. Which is, yeah, like defining for the early New York disco scene. And he's one of the figures who really does bring together like pop and disco with like avant garde and jazz sensibilities. And just like he wants to be the kind of classical composer who has a mass audience. And like, this is basically the only full length that like he put out um, 24 to 24, um, 24, what's it called exactly? 24 to 24 music, there's an arrow in it. So it's hard to like define exactly, but yeah, that's an album under the the nickname, uh, or at least the artist name Dinosaur L, which was the disco record. And apart from that, this is really the only full-length album he released in his lifetime. And it's really singular, really, really wow. astounding. Um, solo, cello, voice, and a bunch of effects. Um, I'm using, well, I used a bit of uh, Tim Lawrence's book, um, yeah, Hold On To Your Dreams, which is a book about the sort of like late seven, mid, late 70s through 80s New York avant-garde scene, which Arthur Russell, he sort of like uses as a, conduit to talk to the whole thing but yeah from that book it's basically just a a graphical equalizer and a double like a a dual phaser resonator box as well as like the reverb and distortion and like more standard studio effects and just from the like weird phase modulation effects you get this incredible wild wild range of textures out of electronic cello um yeah and i just sort of wanted to throw it open i i I thought about this record both because i i obviously had the the more like mawkish oh, i knew Sikat played cello and i also <laughs> Thank just you, thought I appreciate like it. I, I remembered um but also they're just like in terms of space and texture this is one of the strangest and most singular records i know and i kind of wanted to throw it at you and see what happened yeah so yeah any thoughts uh i actually hated it the first time i listened to it i won't even <laughs> not even because <laughs> Not even for like a good reason, but I had on like my closed back headphones and I was like, this is too overwhelming. I cannot listen to this right now. This is annoying. I'm going to have to mm-hmm. freaking throw that shirt out. I can't listen to this anymore. But then I listened to it over like my speakers and I had a much better experience with it where I felt like, okay, I feel like I'm really, I feel like it has to have, it has to reverberate in the space for it to be understandable to me. Otherwise I just kind of, am like, oh my God, I need to tap out right now. Interesting. Yeah, the first time through, I was like, "This, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this." I was like trying to do something else to like distract me from how much I wasn't interested in like sticking with it. But mm-hmm. after a while, I was like, "I have to stop." But that I, second time through, it made a lot more sense to me. I definitely I'm, have had. There are that. certain kinds of music that I just did not like, just because I owned ATH M50 headphones. Mm. Those damn M50s. That, that makes sense. 
can't stand M50s. Uh, um, gosh. Um, this record is definitely up my alley as far as like, you know, meandering, almost stream of conscious feeling, um, improvisations with singing, uh, with words that I can hardly understand. Uh, almost like a cavalier, um, playful presentation, but very sincerely exploratory. Um, it reminds me of times at like 12 a.m. when I would put on like a ping pong delay and sing into the mm-hmm. microphone for 15 minutes and then delete it. Yeah, yeah. It's but it's like here and it's recorded and it's raw and there's tape hiss and the dynamic range so is insane. Yes. And there sometimes the reverb and delay would just go away and then it would come back and it would hurt because of how loud it is. Yeah. And then it would there, there go back so away. There are so many moments where, where the effects just abruptly drop in or out or the texture mm-hmm. just changes radically. Really dig that. Because someone has pushed a button or the tape is, like the take has just changed. Yeah. It's just so... Yeah. It feels like hanging out with a friend to me, honestly. And that's what I really connected with as I yeah. explored mm-hmm. it more and more is that it just yeah. feels like you're in the room while someone's like kind of hanging out and messing around with you, just exploring all these different timbres. And I liked kind of connecting back to thinking like, oh, I could play it like this on the cello and I could get like a similar sound. So I liked that kind of tactile connection where I could think of, oh yeah, like I understand how that sound, where that sound would have started and then how it ended up. Yeah, mm-hmm. all the weird extended techniques and then all the layers mm-hmm. of distortion or resonance on top of yeah. it. There's so much with just rubbing and tapping on strings rather than playing it straight. Um, yeah. Which makes sense because delay lends itself greatly to percussion and layering. Um, and also you just sort of, re- you hear like the piezo pickup weirdness as well. Yeah, the, God, the, so many weird ways the physical body, the thing, mm-hmm. just like speaks really, really loud. Yeah, good. Um, this this is one of my favorite records of all time, but I also find it intensely difficult to listen to. Um, mm-hmm. for very similar reasons. Like it's such an intense experience, so wildly dynamic. Um, but yeah, the first four tracks might just be like four of my favorite, like that, that might, that opening run is just like in my mind, kind of perfect. Tombone coming through being it. Um, just like working backwards, being it is like, th- there are guitar parts that like want the kind of like emotive expression that you get out of the distortion. On being it like there's a there's a the way that it in very weird ways like takes harmonics and blooms them like brings them up to the same levels like the body of the sound just like dives them through for a minute and then like it sinks back into the body like the best bits of shoegaze are attempting to get a thing that is just like <laughs> effortlessly drawn out every single time by the the, the techniques I'm like so deeply attached to the to the sound of this thing, and it took a long time to get there because, like, strangely enough, I like found Arthur Russell through the disco stuff first. But like, it can't to my ears now. It it sounds like a pop record. It sounds very much like a guy who's like found sequences of chords or sequences of like a combination of melody lines and techniques that he really adores and wants to like excavate fully. But the like, it's a sincere like appreciation for like really good songwriting in there 
and they're just like when when they line up you get some absolutely static moments and the first half of being it for me is right there back half of tombone cone is strange but like also there um but they're all through the record it's strange that he he also talks about it in terms of beatless dance music like there are quotes throughout the tim lawrence book that are basically like um there's like we are working towards i'm working towards um creating music for dancing without any drums and we'll find in that a more primal a more basic kind of energy and that like hey like having listened to some of the coolest stuff like this is kind of about as like natural and honest a way of getting that kind of yeah danceable energy out of like a single fucking instrument yeah i don't know i i uh i was certainly dancing listening to it (laughs) Yeah, hell yeah. That's really good, mm-hmm. good to know. It just like spontaneously brought brought that out. But yeah, like t- t- something something about this record, like th- th- it hits on so many of the weirdnesses that I really really fond of, like the extended techniques with a cello, of like feedback being one of the primary ways of generating harmony, and like delay being one of the primary sources of creating rhythm, and then somehow being incredibly energetic and danceable. Yeah, mm. I yeah can't say enough things about this record. But yeah, like I said, it, it is really fucking rough. Like aggressive, crazy dynamic, often like deeply unbalanced and like hard to to grasp and hold on to. Oh man, it really embraces that very particular um, algorithmic reverb sound. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like not, it sounds like a negative. reverb that I would never decide to use. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the preset where you click on it, you're like, oh no, no. Yeah, it's the one you skip. <laughs> I can't do that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's like what he had at the time. I mean, times are definitely way different. It probably sounds really freaking cool at the time. Yeah, um, it's '86. The, it's recording around that time. The way that he runs with that reverb and how really unnatural it sounds is is kind of great. Mm. Um, and also his voice is really lovely. He's got this kind of adult jazz Kermit the Frog kind of affect at times. Yes. Um, it's somehow like incredibly studied and also just like very childish and sweet, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. such a cute, it, like affectionate combination. And then sometimes like the last track is just a desperate love track, a uh, love song. And like, it's it's really heartbreaking. And at the same time, like, I don't know. It's one of those moments that, like, I, I was thinking about, like, magnetic fields, like, pop songs. There are bits of this that make me, like, go straight to some of the mo- most textually interesting indie rock that I like at the moment, the, like, Adrian Lenker stuff or something like that. And yeah, like it has that like sense of grace as well as just like so much imbalance and so much like roughness to it at the same time. It's such a weird combination to be so sweet and so difficult. 
Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder if I'm supposed to listen to the record like just really quietly in a room. <laughs> just the way that the vocals just pop out sometimes. Yeah. Like it, it feels very much just like you are hanging out at the side of a room where a live performance is happening. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of this is just being recorded. I, th- I mean, what a lot of the stuff was. Yeah, there were videos actually of um sm- more small documentaries, like twenty minute recordings of him doing live performances, not to audiences, but just for the recording, where you just like get a sense of the tactile nature of the thing happening, mm-hmm. or very intensely like that. The opening shot of it is like intensely focused on his lower jaw, like see all the stubble and see like all mm. the all the movement and all the activities he sings and performs and that there is something very present about it because it doesn't have all the uh like you know the the work to make the vocals even to make mm-hmm. it compressed to, to to smash the dynamic range into a manageable manageable envelope i like i really loved when i heard pedal clicks in the background and yes. when i heard mm-hmm. headphone bleed occasionally yeah, there are also little like shouts back and forth between him and the producer. Mm-hmm. Um, his name I have mm-hmm. somewhere in the some of these documents. He's like actively making notes and stuff, and you're like, uh, I love when I can hear those little murmurations. Yeah, shout out to Eric Liljestrand who did a he was a sort of engineer slash musician who did a lot of the work on the late night sessions for this record. Thank you, um, Eric. Thanks, Eric. My shout out. <laughs> Shouting out on Patreon. Thank you, Eric, for uh, six more months. Thank you, Eric, for the red super chat. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be playing uh, Nocturne yet. We're going to get through the rest of the Shimigami Tensei games. Thank you so much. <laughs> Sorry, that's the first time I've talked in like 15 fucking minutes. Um, no, it's fine. I was going to say, fine. it's uh, speaking to that, like, I think this record is meant to be played like as quietly as possible or maybe even in another room i uh i tried that out with uh i had the same idea so it's i tried that out with uh the name of the next song uh just because <laughs> love that it's one. that well it's because it's that yeah. has a very uh like you know it's very back and forth like it's uh it's music and then arthur says some stuff and then it launches right back in uh and it's it was really really beautiful so i think you're on to something there I love the bit of that song so much. It's a, such a, a lovely little bit. The name, the name of the next song is Anti-America. I, I almost <laughs> wish the rest of the album had that exact um, that playfulness. More like conversational kind of. <laughs> it was almost like a stand-up. <laughs> we were cracking up listening to it earlier, just hearing him say it over and over again. The name of the next song is America. California, here I come. His voice is, I already said that. His voice is really good. I like his voice. It's very good. Sounds good. I love that the tracks yeah. just kind of end. Yeah, I do some too. just yeah. hard ends as well. Uh, it, it's it's weird. The book keeps describing as a perfectionist, and I hear it in that like he knows the effects that he's after so particularly. Like I just get the sense that he knows like when he's drawing a thing out in your ear. But also like there are so many rough edges. Mm-hmm. The whole project's so much more endearing for having them in like 
I don't really know what it would feel like for this project to be tidy. Like, I don't even know what that means. It wouldn't work the same way. It definitely mm. reminds me of ideas that I've had for a composition. Like, I've, I wanted to have at least maybe like the the last track on a record to have an extended session that section that just keeps going, and the idea of the pieces that you can turn it off whenever you want to, mm. and you're not supposed to feel obligated to go to the end. Um, yeah. When these songs just cut off, it or it kind of makes me feel like, yeah, this thing could go on forever if you wanted to. It's interesting um, that like both of these records are kind of the products of really, really intense intentionality, but kind of to different ends, I guess. Yeah. One, I th it's almost strange given how precise you can be with what you put in someone's ears. The emotional effect somehow seems slightly more nebulous where this, well, like World of Echo, like it is so fewer and so less refined tools for like managing its sound and yet feels like deeply overdetermined like deeply there's like a like, studiedness oh. to it yeah mm. like it's like a, an immense amount of care and attention and focus and like almost like i don't know there's a quite punishing amount of attention going into the emotional space and tenor of the record. like you're hearing like the 34 and it isn't take. always dark yeah exactly it's not always dark but it's like the pressure there is impressive it leaves a mark um should we talk about the kanyaness of it because it clearly broke Boo. In some <laughs> it's Kanye <kind of> time. <laughs> so there's a thing it's... we'd like to do on this podcast, which is, you know, we just, you know, we have a video or something. We listen to it together and, you know, we got to mm. have a live reaction on the podcast. Um, and I think we need to listen to 30 hours. Is there like a copyright problem or? No, 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 no. We're just no, going to say viewers listen we just, along. Uh, we, we literally just put, just put songs under what we're talking about. Like okay. it's, it's. It's if 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 it's a copyright problem, it's we're gonna get hit with it all at once. Right now, we're operating under the uh, it's a smooth sailing, but we've turned the radar off basically. Yeah, like this is this is for our friends. This is for our people. It doesn't matter. Like mm -hmm. if someone wants to snitch on us, like that bully for them. <laughs> Somebody yeah, wants to uh, snitch on us, send that dollar to uh, export audio. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you least that that's a fifteen dollar a month tier privilege <laughs> um but yeah if if we're happy to do this then i'm gonna like say three two one and we i'm at zero dot zero zero let's yeah. go all right so three two one play there he is oh yeah it does sound quite a lot like where 30 hours or where the hours go it's islands Million dollar renovations to a Oh yeah, hang on, I gotta let him go here. She gave me the best years of her life. I saw a recent picture of her. I guess she was right. I wake up. Holy hell. Um, it's. Uh, I just realized this is going to destroy my YouTube Shorts recommendations. Oh no. Uh, because it's. I already have. Uh, Kanye admits Drake wrote Thirty Hours, which I think oh, wow. you could. That's. That's been like a subject of uh, lots of consternation. For a while but it's i think it's so obvious drake wrote this song like you can't even i unfortunately do not have a leg in this race it's no it's you don't have to you really don't have to. <laughs> but um Fidi, you have a leg in this race 
No, I, I don't want to have a leg in this race, though. I really don't. I don't want to think about Drake ever again. <laughs> it's, no, it's, I don't want, I don't want to think about, uh, Kanye said, Drake said, Kanye said, Drake said, Kanye said, Drake said. I don't think anybody said, wins. It's, in this. It's, nobody, it's, nobody wins talking about Kanye West now. The, no. the, the last time I thought about Drake, um, was a couple days ago. I was like, I wonder what Drake sounds like. I know people make jokes about him, but, you know, I put on a song. It was one of his later songs. I listened to it, and the lyrics of that exact moment that I listened to, he was talking about a bitch, and then immediately after he talked about how he felt bad about calling her a bitch. <laughs> Drake rapping voice. I just started dying laughing. It was board. like, this is the exact character that I've been made to believe that Drake is, and it's happening right now. You got everything you need. And then I stopped listening. That was that was my Drake experience. Uh, is it weird to draw a comparison here? Like Kanye doesn't quote unquote produce well. Like there are stray bits, there are like weird distortions that like make it into final edits. You know, there are all sorts of Oh, especially which, lately. Like it's yeah, he's yeah, been yeah. he's been off the like, wagon for literally like the last ten years. Yeah, 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 but like it's sort of Pablo. That Pablo's a sort of demarcation point where like mm -hmm. every all all the messiness before that felt quite studied, and all the messiness after Pablo felt like often quite chaotic and often not as effective, but still very interesting and engaging. There was something very weird having him in my head. Uh, sorry, who like that's uh that was Andre three thousand on thirty hours, oh. and now we have uh, for the rest of this uh, song, it's kind of just go like uh. Yeah, we're just gonna let this ride out. This is my favorite part. This is like the outro track. This was not the last uh, song on Life of Pablo. By no, but it, it fucking goes into normal parties straight after this, right? Like a big fucking centerpiece with Kendrick on it. You know, come on. The fuck it's, is it's, first of all, it's uh, that it's. I listen to that song and it's. Sometimes you listen to a Kendrick feature and it's like, bro, you need to like take a shower. Like, what is going on, dude? Like. It's, it's, he, he puts on, he looks like, uh, it's, he puts on a voice in that that makes him look like that little picture of Keanu Reeves from the Cyberpunk conference where he's like edited to look really tiny. Wait, hang on. I've not seen that image. <laughs> okay, Reeves, hang on. Cyberpunk. Keanu Who you're furiously Reeves typing tiny. right now. Just search yeah. Keanu Reeves tiny and that's what Kendrick looks like, uh, oh, no. whenever he does that voice. It's, it's like... This one? That's it. <laughs> Look, cutie, I like your bougie booty. Come here, come and do me. Well, let's make a movie. Like, that's what. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. No. Oh, he's a small, greasy man. It's uh, on Goosebumps. That's extra. It's He's he's fucking crazy. Oh, I like. Perfect, they though. need to like lock him up for that verse. Like it's, I think about it like every <laughs> minute of my life. Like what? Shut up, man. Do you see anyone else behaving like this? Jesus. It's embarrassing. Hey, yeah, the rest of fucking Black Hippie. <laughs> Don't tell me Absol has not done that exact voice. Do you not no, tell me he, that he has... didn't get that voice from Absol? Uh, Kanye just said, shoutouts, music team, Yeezy team. <laughs> <laughs> Shoutouts, musicians. <laughs> Shoutouts, Shout out Eric. I, I'm, I gotta be honest, I'm just staring at this image of Keanu Reeves at the moment. <laughs> it's really good. I, I think I think you got the best deal, to be honest. 
There's the iPhone ringtone. That's Gabe Collins. Oh my god. I thought that was part of the song. That is part of the song. Oh. <laughs> and then Kanye says that's Gabe Collins. Oh Colin. my god. I see. <laughs> you got it done twice. Oh fuck. Uh, I don't um, think I can handle much more. But there we go. That's fucking 30 hours. Uh, Boo, are you are you slightly less fucked in the head about this record now? It's, well, I mean, it's insofar it as it's, uh, it's the demons there have been expelled. Mm. Um, I it's listened important. to the whole record. Like, I didn't just stop after no, Answers Me. And I was it. like, all right, it's uh, Alexis and the gang will carry this one. I'm good. Yeah, no, uh, but like, clearly we're in a, like a, a, a certain kind of state the rest of it it's i could not stop imagining kanye listening to like let's go swimming or whatever and being like let's make that but make it with me that's what my yeah. life is that's what it sounds like let's um, go swimming is so interesting to me just to dive straight back into it let's go swimming is a track that has like five different versions that are disco cuts i i can just pull them up um wow. really so, yeah so like much in the same way that the whole like dinosaur l project was like him doing his like big ensemble mm -hmm. um uh, uh disco stuff like let's go swimming dubs uh gulf stream dub and yeah there are th uh, three total versions on this release but like skeletally that you might think they're kind of the same track you can just put this in the background just to get an idea same like points of reference but just like Completely different tracks. Completely different. Yeah. Wow. Whoa. Uh, Gulfstream dub, one of the more legendary suffixes uh, on a song. Oh, yeah. Next to I mean, uh, Children Dream Version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it did make me think of, like, the Teams records. The, like, Ichima Side Project stuff. Ooh, yeah. Uh, but I mean that's a, that's a minor aside, but something about something about Uchima like twig whenever I was listening to this, like the like scuzzy distortion happening, um, mm -hmm. but like a deep desire to like recover dance music underneath it. But yeah, like let's go swimming, much like a bunch of the uh, the the uh, the dinosaur elf stuff. Like this, he can work with thinking the same material in so many different registers. And let's go swimming uh, in, in this version is just like a really beautifully skeletal arpeggiated sequence that like barely whispers itself <laughs> and to know that he's thinking about this other version that's like built alongside like some really important club producers of the era you know like it's, it's strange he's so strange i love him so much that's wild um but yeah i mean tower of meaning falls into the same category like it's part of a larger track but tower of meaning had uh, other guys um and same with treehouse yeah like i th i think that the, like i have ended up with such a i'm not gonna say idiosyncratic i think it's the one that if you like live with the literature around him live with the mythology around him like you end up hearing the danceability into world of echo it's not the natural mm -hmm. way of listening to it, i don't think like I, I i think i've had to i've been wired into listening to it in this mode um because it's such a it, it's such a texturally strange and like in mean, much the same way i was talking about earlier like this is a record that almost accidentally eats itself from the inside out all the time just like stuff that's 
is on the surface gets like overwhelmed by feedback loops or resonances just like take over the harmony at different points like Mm -hmm. the techniques are unstable they slip and they like push things to the surface and drag things out um or just you know you hear a button click and suddenly the sound is just like drastically changed like this is a record covered with all of those like bizarre like shifts so cool uh should we cover watch it and head onwards yes uh, yeah, i love the cover it's, so much yeah the, the cover is awesome i yeah. uh i don't there's not a whole lot to say i couldn't find a lot of information about who designed it or anything but it just looks fucking sick uh that's kind of that's kind of where i'm at like the kerning on the type is like it's it's like a full justified type but it looks like it's like eight thousand kerning or whatever it's awesome uh this is a fucking it's I keep picturing this as a vinyl and being like, bro, this shit is so crazy. And then I'd be right. What does the inside look like? I don't know what the inside looks like. <laughs> I got no oh, damn yeah. idea, actually, to Discogs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, World of Echo Discogs. Uh, there's like a bunch of different versions of this as well. Like there's like a the CD one has like a pink joint on it. Uh, oh, there's no uh, there's no inside of it. Yeah, the uh, sleeve is white. But, as well as uh, it, this appears to be Frodo oh. burning the ring on the back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is, yeah. I love the uh, the separate uh, uh, like columns for the justified type. That's kind of fucking mm. crazy. That was really good. Uh, it appears a uh, Janet Pear, uh, P E R R, did it. What else has she done? Uh. Oh man, these do not look like they're super notable records. Uh, for it's, she did a Patti LaBelle album cover. That's for, oh she did she did some Devo stuff. She did Duty Now for oh. the Future. Uh, uh, she did Aerosmith's Greatest Hits. <laughs> she did Miles Davis Star People. Cindy Lauper, wow. Billy Joel. Okay, holy shit! Like it's really starting to open up now. Leroy Brothers. She did Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, The Champagne of Rap. Oh my god, she did Raising Hell, Run DMC. Wow. Holy shit. I love Holy that the record shit. labels are in between the letters on the cover. It's very nice. Yes, that's yeah. fucking sick. I've got I'm totally to stealing that. that. Wow, okay. Yeah. She was actually like super prophetic. Sorry, gang. It's uh it's I've I've let the cover watch coalition down today. But uh Oh my god, yeah, she did a bunch of shit. Cool. Yeah, good. I mean I am just looking at the sort of like how did the album actually get released process because upside is a sort of experimental like side project label for uh particularly a guy called barry feldman he put this out eventually um who did a bunch of other stuff but also had a had a the whole background in the jazz scene like played like played with all night home or played with charlie parker um and like yeah it got incredibly strong press at the time um, but they only printed 1,200 copies and sold 800 and it like just disappeared very quickly. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, it took this like incredibly bizarre, the beginning, the beginning of the Tim Lawrence book actually describes it really well. Um, it took a, a completely chance process of like rediscovery and revitalization a good eight, 10 years after Arthur Russell's death for him to like, he got like big magazine cover stories about him out of nowhere and like a whole bunch of major artists championing him as like their inspiration. Um, 
and yeah, like the, the 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 names that get attached around him, like I'm just looking at like Julius Eastman, Larry Levan, Francois Kavukian, those are the names that jump out to me out of a list of like collaborators. Like th- there are so many people who like make him and his part of the story that like are just like intense, immense, immense figures for the for the music I care about. What is this book title and author that you're referencing? Yeah, it's Hold On To Your Dreams, which is, I think, the first and probably still the most, like, comprehensive biography of Arthur Russell. But uses him as a sort of window to, to look at the New York downtown music scene from 73 to 92. And it's written by a guy called Tim Lawrence, who um, Tim Lawrence also currently does a podcast um, called Love Is The Message. The, the the reason I know about him in particular is because, hey, you know, there's a track on this called Lucky Cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucky Cloud gave its name to Lucky Cloud Sound System, which put on the very first parties I ever went to in London. Um, I've probably told a version of this story in the podcast before. But yeah, like the, the, the place where like Dinosaur L records were getting played out, like the, the sort of epicenter of New York's early disco scene was a place called the loft run by david mancuso um and this sort of like gave birth to the the sort of like the the house and dj uh, the house and disco djs that like populated um new york's early like early 80s club scene i met arthur at the loft the loft was this place where david mancuso had this concept of having a non-profit party where he would bring people in you would pay a donation there was a giant room which had a giant mirrored ball. There'd be free water, bowls of fruit, a lot of drugs, where there was a sense of feeling safe, white, gay, black, gay, Spanish, gay, and, and some hippies. It was a party. It was like a birthday party for kids. He had a mural of, of spanking our gang, because that had to do with childhood, being at a party and being friends. Arthur and I became friendly, and we would just talk music and talk stuff at the loft while the party was going on. Arthur just said to me, you know, what are you doing now? And I said, yeah, I mean, I'm working. I got another job, and I'm living, you know, around the He goes, you want to put a record out? And that was it. And I just said, yep. And, um, yeah, like, Tim wrote biographies of Mancuso, Love Saves the Day, uh, called Love Saves the Day, running, like, 1970 to 79, and then another book sitting on my bookshelf behind me called Life and Death on the New York Dance Floor, which covers the sort of bits of the late 70s, but mostly the early 80s, where it like hits the commercial heights, like disco hits the mainstream, then crashes, and the AIDS epidemic like starts like wiping vast uh, swathes of it out. And yeah, like Arthur Russell sort of appears as this like counter figure running very much alongside it, because like, yeah, people like Larry, like Francois K is the reason that... um uh, the Go Bang is like such an important track to the to the loft scene that was getting played every single time. It's like a night ender track every single time I was going out to those parties. It was probably two o'clock in the morning. Francois had just finished a ref on the mix of uh, Go Bang. I came with that ref to the club. So I get brought in like uh, some dignitary bringing special news. And David just took the record, the ref from me. He took off what he was about to play. I just leaned against the wall. I could see the people were first like listening to it and it was weird because they were trying to get into it. And then all of a sudden, 
they were going crazy for this record. And a guy walked up to me and he said, it's a great record. Of course, Arthur walked up to me and said, I'm ruined, I'm ruined. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I'm ruined. He goes, did you listen to the drums? And I looked at him, he goes, he goes, Francois did this on purpose. I said, Arthur, what the fuck are you talking about? He said, the drums aren't strong enough. They're, 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 they're a little muddy. There should be more. I said, Arthur, you're out of your fucking mind. People are going crazy here. But he would say that, and then he would sort of smile a minute later, and he goes, well, that's great. Um, at the same time, like, it's fucking Arthur Russell, the guy making bizarre avant-garde cello music, who, who like, put the track together and, like, that came up with all the original ideas and so that yeah that like straddle point between the worlds um is just like the two bits of that like early 80s new york scene that tim's writing about both the like avant-garde music stuff here and the disco and early house stuff and that's the sort of like bizarre point of crossover that like i seem to be stuck in whenever i listen to him but i don't feel it's wrong to be basically like it feels like he's born out of that 100 percent still like it's a very weird and quite niche way of approaching him, but it still doesn't feel anachronistic. It feels very much like in keeping with like what he was actually doing and like how he's received in the, in the context. Wow. But yeah, like age 15, one of the few places in London that was like liberal enough, like open-minded enough to let a 15 year old through the door without asking too many questions happened to be the one that like had an incredible, insane Klipschorn sound system and played all vinyl. The, tracks were played out to the end and everyone stopped and clapped at the end so thank you to the djs they faded across like yeah bunkers party bunkers scene that's pretty damn cool yeah that's pretty cool it's, I, it uh, was kind of intense but I've still i have not had so much any situation like that unfortunately no, yeah, no. I, I got i got very lucky it was very strange uh, oh my yeah. goodness it's about good to switch over then yeah yeah, I think so. So, hey, I hear you two have an album out. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what the fuck was that noise? <laughs> oh, that was just a uh, self-conscious, uh, high-pitched maybe. <laughs> uh, twirling hair. Maybe. Maybe. If only yeah. I had hair to twirl, I'm shaved bald right now. <laughs> it's running a hand through bald hair. Maybe. Maybe. You know. Maybe. We can mm, drink. I'm pantomiming it. <laughs> oh good so i mean both of you made half of the half each of this thing so like i don't even know where to start should we just do it in running order then running order let's go all right so seek out the uh -huh. a side of this record good so i like first thing we'll do is just <laughs> play a track what do you think is like the summative track what is what's like the sorry track it's for i it's i want to say it's i don't think we said the name of the album oh, hey, yet we, at we, all we didn't do that <laughs> We didn't uh, do that. Thank you. Thank you for being good. It's a Sea Cat Node uh, released an album called Laugh Jokes, Laugh uh, which jokes. is the greatest uh, name for any album that I've ever heard in my entire life. Thank you. Thank um, you. It's uh, released uh, as of writing two months ago, uh, and it is simply epic and awesome. And uh, we're going to be running through it track by track. Uh, we'll start with uh, it's when you when you guys sent us the masters. Uh, it's uh, you guys called these the flip side and the flop side. Well, yes. I'm, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the cassette that I ordered off them, oh, and yeah, it does indeed cassette. say flip side and flop side on the um, cassette sleeve. 
So that is fantastic. It's a commitment to the bit. Um, so it's yeah. we start with Sea Cat's uh, flip side. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm I'm so, uh, 
Wait, hang on. That is, is, are there stories that, that need to need to be told here? Or no, no, no. <laughs> you're just giving me a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just like it goes straight in with the kicks. Like I don't mm. always associate your stuff with just like okay, now we're going fucking fall to the floor and we're like putting the tempo up a bit and like pushing it. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Yeah. No. Just like. I first want to know, like, how did you get to these tracks and the this ordering and this arrangement? Because like, it does feel like kind of different to what what you've put out in the past. And I know you you had like little liner note stuff about like think about uh, Ricardo Villalobos in particular, right? So like, yeah, where, key, were you, where were you coming from? Yeah, the key track, or I guess the one that kind of started the whole process off was the second track, which is Daisy, which is the specific one that I was referencing, like YGH on, where it was kind of like this tone going up and down underscored by these kicks that are just sort of I really like the second half of that track a lot which is what I was trying to harness this kind of uncanny awkward sort of unquantized thing and they were all kind of born out of that desire to just like get off the grid I guess a little bit not entirely uh-huh. of course because it's still dance music but um just I had downloaded synth one for the first time like people had always <laughs> talked about it. I was like, oh, you know what? I'll, I'll finally like give Synth one a try. And I just like loaded a bunch of random, like randomized presets on it and just made a bunch of figures and loops and such and put a bunch of unquantized percussion on them. And I thought, you know, this is like a cool direction to go in. And Daisy was the first thing. All the other ones came after that. And then Star did very late in the process after O'Day had made their half. And I was like, oh shit, you have five tracks. I want to have five tracks. So <laughs> I made a fifth track. <laughs> So, and then I was like, you know Wait, what, that's a cool start. time, like, double O'Days? It is double O'Days, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just wanted the symmetry I, of that. I did feel a little bit um, greedy taking up a lot of time on the cassette, but at the same time, I, do I, not. I was very concerned f- that I yeah. would look weird to have four on one side and five on the other. I don't know why I was so worried about it. It's got to be I, symmetrical I, I on the Bandcamp page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, this is exactly yeah. it. You can't have it be your Bandcamp page and then have fewer tracks than the release. Like, that's not on. Well, I'm yeah, glad yeah. you made Star because Star is definitely, I, I have to say, probably my favorite. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm totally like in my like rambly like uh, uh, headspace. So if I say anything no, stupid. No, 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 no. Stupid's good. Stupid is more revealing and exciting. I'm glad if we get stupid. Um, yeah, good. So, I mean, okay. There are some like stereotype things. I've got notes here, but like there are some stereotype things about Seeker production. The, the, the thing is like Star breaks a bunch of this stuff. Like it's got the fucking... You know, it's not donk, but it's got the offbeat bass line. Like, this is not stuff that I think I've heard from you before. Am I right in thinking this? Like, were you, like, consciously pushing out of your comfort zone or pushing into new, like, forms or new genre stuff to, like, dig at something in particular? Like, was the Villa Lobos inspiration, like, dragging you towards, like, more trad dance music in in some way? Mm, I think I was definitely trying to go for a different thing than I'd done before. I think after... I think I was working on these tracks, I'm remembering. I think I did... The last four at like the beginning of I want to say like 2022, mm-hmm. and then I think mm-hmm. Star came in like June-ish or like July-ish of 2022, and I guess I was just thinking. And so that was immediately a pretty much a couple months after I'd released that big dance 80-minute um, thing, Diamond Night, which I was like, I was still yeah, feeling yeah, yeah. like sort of self-conscious and like, a, okay, well I can't make everything sound like this from now on. I have to do something different now. I have to go out in a different direction from that. And I guess I figured the way to go in a different direction from that was to kind of pursue a more, not even hi-fi necessarily, but something that's less indebted to like, oh, this is going to sound really blown out. This is going to sound X, Y, Z. Just something that's more, I guess, um, 
high fidelity, if that's the right word to approach it. I mean, it's kind of hard. I feel like I look at what I'm doing a little bit differently than how it looks from the outside perspective. For me, I'm just like, oh God, I have to do something different. I always feel like I'm getting stuck in ruts and every album is like a panicked attempt to like slide into like another (laughs) perspective because I'm thinking like, oh God, everything I'm making sounds the same. Do something different and then I'll get on a tangent for like a couple weeks and then that's usually where records come out of most of the time. Yeah. When I'm just getting self-conscious about stuff. (laughs) Nah. (laughs) Which isn't the most um, healthy way of working, but. Oh, of course, of course. As opposed to mine, which is like paranoidly hanging onto sound genres, vibes for like 18 months at a time in a desperate attempt to like refine and correct the thing and realize you haven't actually made anything. Like, you know, like we all have our like shitty pathological ways of working. You'll just actually produces EPs or albums at the end. So, you know, it's uh, I actually have the best way of doing it, which is I make the song good uh, from start to finish, which is a bold technique. Fuck you. Shit, I need to try that. Yeah. It's a good it's it's a really good idea. I'll hook you up, don't worry. It's a it's a it's a powerful vision. Yeah, it's good. So yeah, okay. So like not everything can be uh not everything can be just scuzz to fuck. But the, the like the master bus like compression saturation shit, like all of these songs still like fucking groove into each other. Like there mm-hmm. is so much like ducking and like pumping happening. Like this this feels still like kind of trademarky in that sense, and it's really fucking good. Like, I'm just I'm pulling up Umbra. Yeah, just the the, the way stuff like clatters into the to the environment, like drums like smash things into the background. Just like very very fucking cool. I really really love it. Really I think for me, yes. Umbra and Special yeah. like happen to be the two tracks that I just like really fell in love with on the first listen. That's very good, because I was so stressed out about Special. Special was the one that I was the most frustrated with throughout the process. I could not get it to sound the way I wanted it to. Maxi was very stressed out. I literally was like panic, like texting him all the time, like, oh my god. Dude, Special sucks ass, what do I do? No, literally, I was like, I hate this. I think literally every single release, there's a track like that where I'm like, I freaking hate this. Why am I putting this on the thing? I'm going to take it off. And then Odie's like, no. Do you prefer this version or this version? I'm like, I I send them like eight versions of a track that all sound pretty identical. Whichever one you want, dude. (laughs) But I'm like, no, there's a huge change. Can't you hear it? I was like, what am I looking for? (laughs) I don't explain anything. I'm just like, oh, come on. You can't hear it? Oh. It's probably very frustrating, and I'm very thankful that they're so patient with me. I have to exercise my patience sometimes, a little bit, but it's out of love. There are times where I get... Maybe it's, like, audible, but there's, like, an insecurity that, like, underpins, like, everything that I produce artistically. I'm just like, oh, God, like, is this enough? Am I doing enough? Like, is it the right thing? Yeah. It's a fuel, for sure. Yeah. Very in fuel. Yeah. So, this is something I was kind of thinking about, because, like, particularly Moth of the World, but also the older stuff. Like, it has such a, like, a a sense of... Yeah, we were talking about the coolest stuff. Like, it's got a sense of place, and it's got, like... Because, I think, of, like, how texturally... Like, the texture becomes such an integral part of, like, building the, like, the sense of the whole thing. So that your your stuff, like, builds worlds really quickly, really effortlessly. Like, did you have a sense of the kinds of spaces you were, like, conjuring with this record? Mm-hmm. I didn't really think about it much. I have kind of a, not default, but like a process that I like to throw almost everything I make into. And then I like just sort of seeing what results of that. And I'll kind of stick with the ones that where I'm like, oh, that really 
that came out nice. I don't necessarily think about a theme or a direction when I'm making things, but definitely I'll notice like, oh, I'm interested in making stuff that sounds like this right now, so I'll keep making things that are similar, mm-hmm. so I'll stick with that for a bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's hard to say. I don't know if I had any particular, like, hmm, I'm thinking of this right now. It's just more like a, okay, here's a direction I can keep going in for a bit until I eventually think, oh, God, this is so tired. I need to do something else. Ugh. It really, it comes off as premeditated to me. Like, yes, Laugh Jokes, absolutely. Seacat, feels like a distinct, like, point in time. And, like, it sounds completely different from the rest of your discography. Oh, cool. It's really like, oh, it's it's very polished and it's very straightforward and it's very clean, um, but also you know it's got that distinct sea cat gnarliness to it, um, <laughs> and it's very immediately danceable. Some some things are like a bit abstract to the <laughs> point where like and like cerebral, but this is feels like very. I'm going to get up from my chair listening to this. Which I did a lot. Oh, Same. Whatever I was. I th- this became a gym album, honestly, which is annoying because then fucking DVD menu came on. <laughs> <laughs> I think Rory's like co-worker said they wanted to like put it in like a film or something. What were you saying? Um, well, I have uh, one of my uh, co-workers he makes Spider-Man short films. Ooh. Whoa! Um, yeah, that's awesome. Like, like Spider-Man fan movies, and he wants to use Sea Cat tracks on the fan movies. He was so freaking pumped. He said he was geeking out. He said he was tweaking. Those, those are his words. <laughs> listening to it, <laughs> it was so validating to hear that. I didn't even make it. It was so validating to hear that. Hell yeah! I'm very happy to know that somebody can tweak to mm, that. Sentence sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a a utopia world where uh a this guy gets to may uh have a score for his spider-man short films is possible yeah good it's beautiful yeah i don't know i'm i'm just like going back to the discography because like I've, I've listened to all of it and it's really fucking good and like i remember like having this uh, like not even that long after moth of the world like moth of the world felt like such hey gossamer like airy um natural like like wind blasted there, mm. there there was intensely natural like there was just you you've ended up with such like singular aesthetics every single time so it, it's almost surprising to me to hear like you didn't even need to like go into this project with one to just emerge from the process like hitting the same thing over and over again it's usually like a process driven thing where i find a process and kind of hammer on it for a a set amount of time and then mm. eventually I'll get either kind of frustrated with the limits of it or I'll think okay I think that's enough to make like a album out of or an EP out of or whatever I think every yeah. album or EP or whatever is like a distinct process that I've honed in on throughout that record I guess you'd say I want to put it out there and say Moth of the World is one of my favorite records like oh, ever <laughs> it's really fucking good it's so fucking good it really is I'm pretty happy with it. I can't listen to it now. I just get embarrassed. But why? I was very happy with I it. Mean, I mean, I know. That's everything. I know exactly how that feels. But it's pretty much everything. After it, after it's, I can listen to it a million times before it comes out. And I'm like, oh, I gotta put this out, and then I'll put it out, and I'm like, why the hell did I put that out? It sounds so lame. Any more little questions, or should we just like push on to other days bit and then like 
I like talking about me. Ah, uh, fuck it. Let's, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about this bit. Um, yeah, fucking Nord 3P, the drum 3P. Like, mm-hmm. t- tell me about using this synth because it is, it sounds fucking magic. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so fucking cool. I got it um, so that I could do drumming in the band that I'm in that we haven't released a record yet. But they're the um, best band ever, though. Oh, I'm not. Be- no, it's it's true. Like you have you have to hear this band. They're very good. Fuck yeah. Okay. Um, Sorry, <laughs> totally derailed you to be like all cute. Um. Um. So. Yeah, it's a synthesizer, percussion modeling synthesizer. It's got six pads. Each pad is its own synthesizer, which has a um, a percussion modeling oscillator. You can adjust resonance and stuff and associate all of that pitch and resonance to velocity. Um, It also has a white noise generator generator with a filter that you can change and also set that to velocity as well. And it also has a click generator, which generates these different like transient sounds that you can adjust separately. And you can make cymbals, you can make snares, you can make kicks and toms and weird like synth buzzing sounds. And I was just having a hell of a time just whacking away at it and combining whacking away with this cool synthesizer with the process of re-recording a jam from timeline view into session view and then putting it back on the timeline. So I would make like a, like a, like a five quarter note, um, loop and it would just like loop that over and over again. It's like, uh, I guess replica style. And then I would scrub the, um, the looped section on my timeline while recording, like resampling the master channel onto the session view. And I would just like skip it back and forth just very subtly. So you've got these loops that are um, changing, like the start and end points are changing, but like the snare on the and or on the two is staying in the exact same spot. Um, Mm. And these different tracks have kind of effects that resonate throughout the loop. So the the start and stop points of the loop are never really like full or never really like well-defined. And I was just messing around with that and seeing what results came from it and uh a couple of the tracks are as a, a result of that process um fuck yeah so i wasn't wrong to think replica like because it really did evoke it a bunch it did oh fuck yeah yeah the hell yeah good i mean i just <laughs> it, it, i literally it, i thought of that descriptor for the first time just now oh, <laughs> like, no genuinely like the the dvd menu and it's a space cabinet as well to some degree. Mm-hmm. Like space, space cabinet, cabinet was the that loop, process. The um, looping effect. I mean, just the, the the sound environment, like how it sits, like carrying that threat and that anticipation because it never feels contained or finished. DVD mm-hmm. menu, like I think fucking rules for that. But yeah, space cabinet, you can hear the looping process really, really clearly. Yeah, DV, DVD menu... Um, actually, no, DVD menu is a straightforward track. That was just automation. Mm-hmm. Um, the only ones that weren't that process were DVD menu and, um, which one? The Baron or is that, 
Buddha, Buddha, bam, Buddha, bam. Uh, can I have a piece, I think? Yes, and can I have a piece? Piece. Yeah, all the rest were that process. Can I have a piece was just straightforward, like, I'm recording right, one layer of Nord, and then I'm recording another layer of Nord. Um, also, also unquantized. Mm -hmm. yeah, I was gonna ask, cause like, the groove in Baron, like, that fucking goes. Yeah. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. assuming that's, was that live playing? Or was that like sequencing just off the grid? Um, it was live playing. And then I found a good timeline loop. Mm -hmm. And then I resampled it from the timeline. Nice. Um, but the way scrubbing the timeline around made like the beginning of the measure and the end of the measure at different spots. But the snare was always in the exact same spot. And I found that really fascinating. Just everything hooked around that snare sound, and the snare sound so good that you wanted to anchor the whole thing. Mm hmm I, uh, yeah. God, the fucking snare sound. They were fun. I, I'm a sucker for snare sounds like this, but like, it knocks. Does it? It doesn't. I'm guessing that's all that like, the 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 impact must be like quite high, like 800, 100,000 hertz, if I had to guess. And it just like spins out. With it popping, the resonance yeah. is so cool. Like when I was recording, it was it was definitely clipping, um, mm. and I had to like use Isotope to make it less ugly. <laughs> now 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 I have it nice and smooth. Hell yeah. <laughs> the yeah, just something about like crafting the sound out of resonance. Just it's so springy and spacious. And I mean, if there's one thing that like slams you in the face when you move from the Seacat half to the Ode half, is like Seacat does not let the tracks have back front to back space like that's just not the mm -hmm. style and then oh they's just like there is so much space and there is so much movement and there's so much space to move around there like that was one of my biggest mo like notes was like the the amount of swell and the amount of like the, the way that like tails and things like sweep through frequencies or three speak sweep through the 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 um sounds uh, the sound field like the tails and everything like that are so extraordinary and so detailed and like do all sorts of spooky things mm -hmm. i uh yeah i was definitely in a very sparse kind of minimal mood i put mm. a snare on can i have a piece and then i took the snare out because <laughs> i thought it was better without it <laughs> hell yeah um so you, I, you also mentioned that you needed to make stuff less harsh like i know you've used soothe a hell of a lot like Mm -hmm. it was did that become like a part of the aesthetic of the thing or was this just like this is the the kind of impacts that come out of the the like percussion and drums synthesis that you're using like or did you need to do a lot of work to try and smooth that smooth out the corners i don't think there was like a crazy amount of processing um i definitely used a whole lot of soothe on coddled mm. coddled was like a different track that I was intending to do, and that I was really detailed, and I had like a bunch of layers, and I sort of resampled that with that timeline session yeah. view process, um, and then overdubbed uh, some really quiet acoustic guitar at times. Um, yeah, no, this fucking feels like a replica track. What was your question? Do <laughs> <laughs> yeah. impacts and stuff like that, like the, again, because it I, it might just be because I'm fucking obsessed with the Nord sound. <laughs> But like, yeah, the they range from like, in some of them kind of cut, kind of hard, 
but mm. a lot of it is like slightly rounded slightly softened edges and i was wondering whether you needed to like do work to get there or whether it's just like no the they're very they're, and very they're really squishy sounds yeah. and they're very so squishy dynamic almost to a fault it's way <laughs> easier performing that in a space sounds great mm. recording yes. it di and trying to mix it because it's just there's just a stereo out there's no individual outs for the different pads. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. And it's kind of a nightmare. It's really difficult to have it sound good at all. Because it's so dynamic. Like dynamic. The transients yeah. are always like way overpowering the resonance. Um, and I just had to use like... I used limiters. I used limiter 6 specifically. Hell yeah. Uh, I just crammed limiter 6. Such a good piece of software. The clipper on it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, using multiple stages of it because each of them can just shave a couple dB off the top, so you're not like ruining your sound of the clipper. But like, the clip is so good. Mm -hmm. And each each roll, uh, I was just a, a different track recording at a session, mm -hmm. just standard like multi-track session, rather than performing it all at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I really like that my half was sparse and then I was in the second half because I oh. felt like the progression was really really natural yeah you got the dance and then you get to kind of the wind down sleepy vibes <laughs> snoozing with O'Day <laughs> sweet dreams yeah good I am just like the, the sort of like turbulence in the textual stuff I think about Spice Cabinet particularly I don't know again like I'm just wondering like whether the aesthetic or like spaces that you were trying to evoke or spaces you end up thinking it evoked or like points of reference to for the like environments that you thought you were ending up in um i don't necessarily think there was a theme going into it i was trying my best to assemble scraps that i had and i found the scraps that i liked the most um and then I found the project files for those scraps and I fleshed them out a little bit more. Um, for Spice Cabinet, I had made this really, really cool textural, like, reverb loop with binaural panning moving back and forth. Um, sounds like really wispy and ghostly. Um, but I didn't know what to do with it. Um, I couldn't really put it in the context of an Ode piece, I felt, because there was no way for me to sing on it in a way that I was um, satisfied with. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and being able to sort of recontextualize it with that really deep, low rumbling, like, uh, third in the bass kick. Yeah. Um, and just have it be just like a, a droney dance track um at the end it seemed really fitting yeah good i mean it made me think a bunch about andy stott and the problem is andy stott would never do something so self-consciously <laughs> digital like uh -huh. the, the the kind of distortion is just wrong the kind of way in which it like sparkles and shimmers but in a distinctly digital way in the top end it's like very very interesting and which is why it was like i was so interested in both cases because like CCAT, usually I have such a clear sense of the space and tone of the thing, and this was just new, and I was interested about that. And the early stuff I just couldn't place at all because, like, 
yeah, it, the, 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 I don't know if it's just because like you don't hear drum like resonances as drum bodies that often, or if it was just because of like whatever like weird stuff had led to the textures you ended up in. This ended up being such a cool, unique. Your side ended up having just such a cool, unique texture that I couldn't like hold on to. Well, not ho couldn't hold on to. I could hold on to it. It just couldn't put beside anything and be like, ah, I know where it fits. I kept thinking about people like Andy Stott and just being like, no, no, this is destroyed, but in a distinctly different way. I think for that for that track, what I had in mind was uh, Saint Christopher by Bibio. <laughs> oh. The final track off of Mind Bokeh. I was obsessed with that album as a kid. And that one is just like a really long, like, house song with a kick. Um, as a closer. Um, mm. I was definitely imprinted on, imprinting on that or mirroring that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the kick is a lot subby, a lot more sustained. Like, it's clearly got a different... Oh, yeah. Like, it's a, it's a different song completely. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Formally. But like, how do you spin out the uh, an album closer into something like really lush and emotional without mm. it, like, you know, being big, grandstanding, epic? There's, yeah, it's somehow really understated and like actually fucking slams. <laughs> I'm, I'm really happy about that. I felt like I was self conscious that I wasn't putting enough effort into it um, because of how sparse it was, <laughs> and I was trying really yeah. hard to like pull back and not do things and say I was done early yeah. to see what would happen. And I'm happy that it seems to be coming across. Yeah. It still feels like there's just like, again, just because the there is so much moving and so much detail. Like, I, where is the detail coming from? I think about like, just like trailing elements and things like, can I have a piece? Thing like, I'm going to scroll through Coddled. Yeah, like where is all the detail coming from when like the arrangement is supposed to be so simple like wh what is adding the texture what is adding the like mm -hmm. the 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 extra bits and pieces there's a there's a phaser on can i have a piece um and it's affecting sort of the white noise on the nord when you turn the mm. internal reverb on the nord there's like a white noise that comes up and it's kind of ugly Ooh. but i kind of liked the sound at that moment um, and also, like, playing background percussion elements, I'll just, like, drop the sticks on there and have them bounce. Um, so there's a lot of, like, rebound okay. stuff on, like, the glassy sounds. Yeah. Um, and just, like, trying to play really off um, and letting whatever happened happen, I guess. Oh, that's sick. Ah. <sighs> Yeah, I mean that I've I've got through my notes on the Ode side now. Yeah, God, just like I don't know, like how do you feel about this project together? Like, is this is the first time you've released a a split project between the two of you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like how long do you plan this, and like how long was the the thought going into like what it should <laughs> um, be and how it, how it should look? I'm laughing nervously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> obviously i need to fucking skewer you both so. no we've we, we've we we finished the record like like we finished the masters on the record like literally a year ago oh my god uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. and it was desperately trying to for at least my my perspective of it was desperately trying to 
make sure that the work towards the visual design was equ equitable and did not take too much of a step forward and also being like desperately scared that instead in a visual aesthetic choice that I would make was like not going to fly and uh -huh. also like I don't want to ever do anything that like hurts Maxi <laughs> and so I was very I was cautious to a fault I feel um, mm -hmm. because there would be long stretches of time where I would just be too nervous to do something and I would forget about it and yeah. it was always like a long period of time of just like forgetting and being reminded me like oh yeah I got to do this and then being busy and forgetting and um and we had like a big like discussion at least what it felt like to me and then boom it was out it was done Hell yeah. <laughs> we we, so, we it was like we put a lot of effort into it at like the last month or so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what was your what was your experience um it's kind of hard to speak i mean so I think, I, I guess the the reason the split album came together in the first place is because I think I'd made those like four tracks and I was like, hey, like I really think we could finally do like a split with this. Like I think we've been talking for a long time about doing a split and then I thought like, oh, you know, this is, I think these tracks can work. You should also like put some tracks in and then we should finally make our split thing. And then it was like June, we had our tracks together and I think we decided, okay, I'll do XYZ parts of this. Um, you'll do XYZ parts of this. And... It wasn't that there was a breakdown, but there was just like a, I think there was like a difference in perspective on like the pace that everything needed to like go at, I guess. If that makes sense. Like, w like I'm like a very like, it's probably coming across very obviously, but like I'm kind of like an anxious person. I'm always like thinking like, oh, geez, like, is this going to work? Like, is this the right way to do it? X, Y, Z. But he's like kind of more relaxed and more just like, hey, like I'm working on this. Like it's going to come out as it does. It's going to happen the way it happens. And I got kind of like stressed out because I wasn't sure what state like certain things were in. And so there was a period for like a couple months where like I just didn't really know what was going on <laughs> with the project because like um, it was mostly the fact that um, we like got this commission done for this like sculpture part, this, um, the photography for the, the cover, right? And I think it was just taking a really long time for that part to get executed because mm -hmm. I think... Um, the project was more complicated than we had assumed when we had commissioned it. So we were kind of like, oh, mm. we kind of got held up for a long time on that. And I got kind of stressed uh -huh. out. Yeah. The Bunny and the Kitty sculpture is incredible. Um, follow Brushy on all social medias. Yeah. Uh, brushy brushy KB. Awesome. Brushy yeah, we, we, I think we need to cover watch this. Uh, it's, this is, uh, it's when I first saw the cover to the, I literally went, <gasps> it's, <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. It's so simple and cute and like funny. It just, it just makes me happy when I see it. Um, it's, it's just so detailed though. Like it is it's a real detailed. photo. Yeah. It's real the lighting is, a, is that's insane. That's a real photo. Like that's the, real photography. The, <laughs> oh, they took the oh, they took the picture. Yeah, good. Just the lighting, the texture, like how detailed the surface is. Just like it, it is fucking insane. It drives mm -hmm. me crazy looking at it. In the I'm I'm, to I'm grateful to be working at a film school and running mm -hmm. the equipment room. So I managed to sneak into the Steal equipment room and just <laughs> use the stuff on mm -hmm. a Saturday. Yeah. It's, um, I would love a uh, Spotify canvas cover where it's the little figurines are just rotating infinitely. I do uh, have that in front of a green screen. Oh, uh, 
I mean, it's oh. the it's the loading icon on the music on the mm, visual the album. Visual oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. Love Chuck's visualizer has important home truths. We added some stutters to it, so it looked more like a PS2 loading graphic thing where it like stops yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like that was a great suggestion. Yes. I was trying to, you were describing it to me and I was trying to replicate it and it took like three or four attempts before you were like, oh no, that's it. And it worked. It was <laughs> No, great. stop it for three more frames. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> this was the most work I'd ever done on the visual side of an album and I'm so happy for it. It, I mean, like, it fucking sings. You can, you can make anything. If it, if it looks good, then... People will find joy yeah. in it. It was definitely yeah. a labor-intensive process once the music was done. Mm-hmm. But I think because we both had really clear ideas of what we wanted out of it, mm-hmm. and it took a long time to crystallize that because we were working with like a lot of different timelines and a lot of different. I mean, Odie is always like doing like mastering work and stuff for clients and stuff like that, and that always yeah. that of course is something that some can tend to like hold up things that are in progress because you know working on an album for whatever artist and it's a lot a lot a lot of work and I respect them so much for like the amount of care and detail they put into everything they do and I think I think it really shines through on the cover art for this and I'm really really proud of how it came out I think it's super cool yeah thank you it's awesome it's the delicacy and the care like it's just there on the surface it's Mm -hmm. so clear and yeah we named it after an in joke of course because what else do you name albums after (laughs) Yeah. Laugh jokes. We like to laugh and we like to tell jokes. That's what I always say. Actually, no, that's what Maxi always says. It's just this innate. It's a good thing way to live. That I started saying over and over again. I was like, I like to laugh, but I also like to tell jokes. But even more than that, I love laughing. But but I also love to tell jokes. <laughs> but above it all, I love laughing. But really, when it comes down to it, telling jokes is my favorite thing to do. I see, I see. But I Interesting. love I love to laugh. Wow. But I love you, to tell jokes. And then is too, there right? is there anything that supersedes that maybe? You know, laughter is always my number one. <laughs> Just a stupid riff that we do for like no, we we did that. Time. Yeah, we did that a lot when we started dating about five years ago. And That's now fantastic. you have a split. split, split now we have a split, 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 split called laugh the logical um, progression. Of the logical endpoint of every bit in a relationship is a split EP. It's beautiful. Uh, yeah, so good. I, I'm just like, oh, begrudgingly having to do mastering work for Spike Field for Marie BC. Oh, what a terrible <laughs> I'm sorry, I hope I didn't make it sound like it's like, oh, no, these stupid so... clients. I did that, not that do mastering to... work for Maria BC. I did mixing work for Maria BC. Sorry, m- mix for Marie BC. And um, it's an incredible album. You should listen to Spike Field. Go listen to Spike Field. It's the craziest, coolest thing I've ever gotten the privilege of working on.
managed to, to complete coincidence. It, it, it's bizarre how like coincidental, like you t telling the Edis server about the work that you'd been putting putting into first Dear Leica and then just like through Dear Leica finding not only one of my favorite arts of all time, but then also Marie BC like very shortly afterwards and you getting to mix, mix the latest record, just like absolutely fucking mind blowing. Like, it's so weird. It's like things like fall into my lap sometimes, and I'm like, wow, I'm glad that I get to be a part of this amazing music. I'm not making the music, but I'm helping the music. I mean, you kind of are it's making the cool. music in a not insignificant way. But yeah, it just means that I thankfully get to fall us backwards into all the amazing stuff that you're working on, which yeah. is <laughs> incredible. Um, which I said to Marie BC, and they laughed. So, <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Um, but yeah, um, on the off chance if you, well, Maria is currently touring and maybe come to a place near you in the, in the future, given the whole new album thing. So I hope that we get an, a, a Texas Maria BC run. That would be so sick. Please. US tour version. Um, yeah. Fucking any, yeah. Any bits that you wanted to touch on? that like I didn't manage to hit on because like there is so much like to my ears that like jumps out of from like having listened to your shit for so long like both of your solo work has been really important for me personally but also like there are just distinctive things that I picked up from listening to your production for a while but like is there stuff that like feels like any it's it's not quite on the surface that you want to pull out I don't know it seems pretty literally on the surface but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um I love the freaking melodies and top lines on Sea Cat's oh. Half so freaking much. Like, they still get stuck in my head um, all the time. It's just stuck in my head right now, actually. Um, For that one, I think about Echo. It's just the synth one melodies. The melodies are just so infectious. I don't want to ask, like, th this isn't even like a judgmental. Like, I, it could come across as judgmental. I hope it does not. But, like, there are a bunch of times where, like, samples are just, like, a semitone out from like think about echo because echo is such a like it, it, i heard it immediately and was like please give me these parts i need to do something with them mm -hmm. um yeah like a bunch of the samples just like fit but fit in slightly awkward ways that like make my ear just fucking buzz every time i hear them like is this you're like deliberately pushing stuff out from it from each other or you just like going with whatever your ear likes like what's the process of getting like harmony and melody working together for you mm, it's really really instinctual it's super id driven where i'm just a loop will be coming together and i'll think it should have this on top of it and i'll literally what i'll do i'll go to my like sample browser and type one letter in like mm. s or d or something and i'll just scroll down the d's and like click on random things and then i'll go oh yeah that should go in there and then i'll just kind of drag it in like all right cool that's the element that's going to go there it's really, really, I guess you could say it's a little bit aleatoric and that I don't really have a plan before I enter. It's very just like, I think there should be something here. Okay, let's look for something. All right, that'll go there. Cool. I'll be like, all right, let me put an acapella in here. Um, okay, cool. It's, I find that I have, and I'm, it might be because of like how many two hour challenges I've done with uh, the Eat This people where I like, I feel like I have to get it all together in one go yeah. or it kind of collapses out from under me and I'm stuck in like analysis paralysis where I come to it like 500 times like, well, I don't know if that should really go there. Maybe I should just do something else. And so I like to be able to put something together really, really quickly. So it's very like, all right, go. Just hurry up and put something together right now. 
yeah that makes perfect sense and i mean like mm-hmm. having also done a hell of a lot of those eat this two hours like the the desire to get like the essence of the thing just like smashed out very first because like all it ever feels like you succeed in doing afterwards is like mix and mix changes like that's yeah, it i'll like come back to a combo track and be like uh should i change this thing here or that thing here like it's just very like small minor edits like i really don't yeah, ever change exactly. the structure that much from combo things because i always enjoy what results from just like okay i'll do this next and i think that's kind of it's a connection to Ode because Ode i think has a very like yeah like a very natural sort of groove like aspect to their music and especially when they're like jamming on the nord literally like whenever i come over there'll always be like a segment sometime in like the middle of my time being here where they'll just like jam on the nord 3p for like hours at a time hours really it never feels like hours (laughs) oh (laughs) Uh, just, it just, it's the synth's fault. It's the, the synth's cool. Synth fiction. Synth is very cool. Synth is very cool. Uh, I, I feel like my process is a little different. Um, I will work on something and then I'll put the pause button on it. And because I've done like a lot of client work, I'm really organized with my, uh, saves. Every time I work on something, I have a designated period of work. I'll save it as a new project file with a name and a date. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've gotten to the point where I'm never nervous about making a change. So I will completely destroy my work and I'll save it as something and then I'll completely destroy it again. And uh, I, I've heard that it's a little frustrating when I'm sending <laughs> demos and then like something that they're attached to. Uh, I'll get mad because I'm like, why did you change that part? Like, what do you mean? I have another version of it like saying... <laughs> So I can go back. We can go. But the way I back. work is very destructive, which is very. It's a bit of a yeah. contrast. I just save well, over I mean, everything, which is a horrible way to do it. But I, f- I feel like if I if I miss something, if I'm like, where did that go? That that used to be so cool, but it disappeared. I now can go back and grab it. Um, but that's like proof to me that I liked it at all. Yeah, good. I mean, invites in one sense, Seacat's version invites commitment, but also like you, the commitment cuts both ways. Mm. Um, but yeah. I have is mostly chopped and screwed stuff that I've made <laughs> and did not deem worthy. Yeah. And then <clears throat> finds a second life. Ah, oh, fuck yeah. I think I'm happy to leave it there. Is there anything else you want to chip in before we finish up? Um, watch the laugh jokes visualizer, oh, yeah, visualizer. on YouTube. Oh yeah. I mean, I... helpful tips were painstakingly crafted. <laughs> um, I I feel privileged and honored to have been asked for some of those helpful tips. You did. Um, you made some of the best ones. <laughs> I'm I I I thank you for the credit. There are some incredible ones in there. Um I I laugh at many of them. They're also good jokes. If you like to laugh. If you like to laugh. You might like to tell jokes. Like but even more than that, I mean you might like to tell jokes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I can't yeah, burn it well, out. No, I mean you you sort of can't now. Like you you've nailed your colours to the must here. Like this is this is the joke. This is the thing you're gonna just do forever now. You're going to laugh and you're going to tell jokes. Mm-hmm. Laugh jokes too. Laugh you know. Oh my. Never say never. Never say never, but not anytime soon. <laughs> or maybe. No, I mean depending on what your definition of soon yeah, is. I'm kinda of reading the room in the middle of my sentence here. <laughs> It would sound very different, though. Um, very different, though. So, 
obviously we wanted to throw a bit of light on Laugh Jokes because it is a fucking cool record by some good friends. Uh, what else have you two been cooking up in the last little while? Because like we said, you have other feathers to your respective bows. Oh, you're pointing at me. Okay. What are you, what are you cooking? <laughs> um, Like cooking like currently or things that have been cooked in the last the, couple the, months or whatever you're uh, interested in sharing that has yet to be released. Um, I have an album on the Plaster Fee label called Moth of the World. It's very cool. I'm really excited about it. You can get it on CD. You can purchase it. It's really, CD's it's also so a very personal and very anxiety driven album. It's a kind of a through line, I guess, for a lot of things, but it's thinking more about negative things rather than positive things in this case of laugh jokes. It's more about like, I guess, dysphoria and stuff like that. But it's a really, it's a really neat record, I think, even though I said I can't listen to it. It's still, I'm very proud. Um, of it and everything i'm working on a big like mecca forward release that i'm really excited about i've been sharing a bunch oh, of tracks yeah. with Ode. i'm so pumped for that and there's uh, also a comp just while we're here shout out to tiana yeah. shout out to Zara, shout out to yeah. twofold yeah. long live mecca i mm -hmm. i i'm in awe of everything those fuckers do it may or may not have twofold remixes on it Ooh. we'll have to see um there's also a comp it's hard to describe. It's like a compilation piece from Plaster Feed, this label that I've been kind of working with a lot lately. Um, they basically gave us the name of a place and we had to make songs that kind of captured the vibe of that place as we imagined it to be. So I'll have a little EP out with them in like the next maybe like six months or so that's connected to this spe specific, bleh, this specific place that they gave me in my EP is about this place called Whispering Bellows. So that's really cool. It's a pretty cool work. I'm excited about that. It's very like electroacoustic. So it's yet another vibe change. I really, I don't do anything very consistently at all. <laughs> um, but I think that's, I think that's everything I had to say. I'm such a rambler. So I'll let Odie go now. Um, as far as personal work goes, uh, as far as personal work goes, I am chugging away at a thing that has some substance, but little form. Um, hopefully, when I finish it, it'll be a collection of the last, like, two and a half years. It's so good. Stuff. Um, I'm still very nervous about it, and I'll get, like, in periods of, like, damn, this shit sucks. And then I'll go back and be like, damn, this shit rules. I'm genuinely, like, always bugging them to finish their track. <laughs> you are the only person, like, keeping me going. It's... I'm really grateful <laughs> for you. It'll be like two weeks and I'm like, you work on anything? Um, can I hear like another thing from it? <laughs> um, it's very exciting. It's going to be the coolest album in the world, I think, once it comes out. We finished, uh, or I finished, Spike Field is out, of course. I already talked about that. I worked on, I mixed and co-produced and mastered Ghosts by Scuttlefuzz. Ah, uh, yeah. I think that is some of the most like, detailed um pristine stuff that i've released into the world um i'm incredibly proud about it and it's sounds lovely and is amazing and i don't feel like it got too much press when it came out but please please listen to it it's gorgeous it's like if sufjan stevens was made of aerogel yeah <laughs> oh yeah that's a fucking incredible way of describing it it's such a cool record i love it so much too Oh my god, yeah. Um, thank you both so much um, for the chat and for the album. 
and yeah, I fully expect we'll have both of you or both of you on individually for future apps to just talk about cool records. Totally. Cool records is cool. Um, it definitely is a way for me to talk about old records or talk about records because I don't often listen to music anymore. Yeah, I try God, to. Talking about music is hard and also really fun. Yeah. And this podcast is a good reason to do it. And that's mainly why me and B do it together. It's wonderfully slippery. It's so true. Fun. Um, hey, Boo, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of basically everywhere. Yeah, I'm sort of... Uh... <laughs> I don't even have a. I don't even have a. Uh, like, no, I can't even commit I, to this. I can't. This. I can't even commit to shirking on this one. Uh, you can find me <laughs> pretty much uh, anywhere. Uh, you can put an at and then you put a Buchanan after. Uh, I'm still miraculously on Twitter, co-host, uh, SoundCloud, Bandcamp. You know the vibes. Uh, and I also do graphic design work at Design by Boo. If you like the hot singles or export audio branding, that was done by yours truly. Uh, commissions are opening up again soon, so be on the lookout. Hell yeah. Um, give Boo your fucking money. Uh, you can find me everywhere <laughs> at Regression. Not posting at the moment because this has not been a month of posting. Mm -hmm. um, but no. yeah, like... You can forget the third S in this instance. We're sort of we're sort of low batteries yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um but yeah like maybe music forthcoming question mark i've been trying to get something up before the end of the year we'll see whether that happens but yeah more hot singles soon hopefully as well uh yeah thank you everyone mm. and we'll see you next time bye bye see you bye